in Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 260, sweetie. Why listeners in Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember, sweetie, our motto. <laughs> the best predictor. You're get in trouble. The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Uh, before I'm going to let you promote certain things, yes. I'm going to tell you what we're talking about. Overbooked sports parents. Okay. I like it. Uh, relationships. Yes, I like that. Creativity. Like that. The conscious mind versus the unconscious mind. Oh, we got a aggressive schedule. Yes, we do. And then I have, um, you know, a nice little story to share. Nice. But first, what do we have coming up? Okay. So three things, people. We got three things coming up. Number one, we... Todd got his computer back. Can Thank you tell? Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really good, too. That's right. New computer. New computer. So the first thing is, starting October 13th, which is a week from today, if you're listening to our show when it's being released, Tuesday, October 13th, we are starting our Let's Get Real discussion series. It's a local thing, so you have to be in the Chicago area to come, or you can fly in. Heck, why not? Let's get real, real. Come on, get real. Sweetie, I got a better Let's get real. <laughs> I got a better idea. But how about you play Cheryl Lynn's who's To Be Real? Cheryl Lynn. You just played it the other night when we were driving home on Saturday night, remember? No. We were talking about how Carrie Bradshaw in Sex in the City is a model, and then she's walking down the runway and she falls, and this song is playing. And, and what's it's it called? Different. It's called, well, I think it's called To Be Real. Um, but while you're finding it, give me give me a hand wave before you play it over me. I always give you hand no, waves. No, you don't. You usually play it right over my voice. Um, okay. Sounds stupid. No, it's not. It's good. Listen. being real i can't find let's get physical she's not on here let's get physical has nothing to do with what we're let's talking about let's get real real no that that's not right i want to get real okay, moving on that's right kathy our, our <laughs> <laughs> todd's gonna practice calling me kathy because we got another what's review. that kathy <laughs> Another review saying quit calling her sweet. I don't know what you're talking about, Kathy. You know what? That's so sad for us because I understand, mm -hmm. like, everybody has the right to be annoyed at certain things. We're not judging or shaming that, but it's like we're just being ourselves. Kathy, we're just being ourselves, <laughs> Kathy. Okay. Let me talk about this thing. Let's get real discussion series. It starts next Tuesday. It's at Fitz's, what's it called? Fitz's you never spare remember. parts. <laughs> spare parts. Spare keys, sweetie. Come Fitz on. I mean, Kathy. <laughs> That's right, Kathy. <laughs> it's What's called it called? Fitz's Spare Keys, Fitz's Kathy. Fitz's Spare Keys on York Road in Elmhurst. And it starts at 7 p.m. And it's me, Rita Highland, Lorna Samatis, two other wonderful teachers from the area, good friends of ours, too. And we're going to be talking about balance. And why we're doing it at Fitz's is because it's got, you know, food and drinks. So you can just come with your friends. Drinky, drinky. Drinky, drinky. Come uh, date night, you know, with your significant other. This is for men and women. And we're just going to talk about balance and you can bring all your questions and we'll just discuss everything. Seven so, to eight thirty and you are going to leave feeling good. Yes, we are doing things differently because at least everything I do with my tribe men's group, there's no booze and your women's circle. Sometimes you guys well, have sometimes wine. Sometimes we have wine and it's not about drinking heavily no, it's, it's on about a tuesday night nobody's coming, gonna want to do that or is it a wednesday night? it's a tuesday night. tuesday night it's about coming out and getting comfortable and sitting at a table and relaxing because sometimes when we just come out people don't like to come out for parenting classes they don't like to come out for like tell me how to live my life but if you're just coming out and having a drink and having food and relaxing and you're happen you happen to be hearing some information that might be helpful it's a lot easier to show up that's the first thing and we're going to do that every month on a Tuesday, I'm not going to recite all the dates for you now. Yeah. Maybe Todd will. Um, but it's uh, every month leading up to our conference in March. So, But the first one is October 13th, Tuesday. Register online. Um, go to zenparentingradio.com, click events, you'll see it. Next thing, the hunting ground. 
We are doing a documentary screening. It's about sexual assault on college campuses, but it's really about so much more than that. It's about uh, understanding what consent is. It's about talking to our daughters about how they take care of themselves. And it's about talking to our sons about how they treat others. It's about both sides. It's just, Anything about sexual assault is not just for one gender. You want to hear some both. copy, Kathy? I do. That, it makes me sad that you're calling me that. I have no idea what you're talking about, Kathy. <laughs> the statistics are staggering. One in five women in college are sexually assaulted, yet only a fraction of these crimes are reported and even fewer results in punishment for the perpetrators. From the intrepid team behind Academy Award nominated The Invisible War Comes the Hunting Ground, a piercing, monumental expose of rape culture on campuses poised to light a fire under a national debate. And my goal is when I look out in the audience that night, it is to see hopefully about half men, half women. Right, because you hear about this movie and you think, oh, girls need to go see this so they can protect themselves. And, this and, is a discussion. And my hope is that these parents are parents of not just young women, but also parents of young men. Yes. So it's not a, this is not a girl thing. As a matter of fact, I think it's more of a boy thing. Yeah. This is about going to the source, yeah. not about protecting girls and making sure that they're safe. Let's not need to do that and actually have some men, college men, who are willing to step up and stop the cycle. Well, and you know, the big, uh, um, what's it called, the campaign that was created after uh, Barack Obama spoke about this during the Super Bowl. The Super mm -hmm. Bowl, do you remember that? I think he was speaking about domestic abuse when it comes to football and everything else. But it's all the same thing. Do right. you know what I mean? And he, there was a campaign created called It's On Us. Yeah. And I really like that because it's on us. It's on us as parents. It's on us as individuals. It's on men. It's on women. It's We all need to take some ownership and some and look at what's happening. And instead of say, let's just figure out more ways to protect girls and to tell them to dress differently and to tell them they need to carry mace and look over their shoulder all the time. Right. Because there's what we're talking about here is the percentage of, um, it, statistically speaking, girls are sexually assaulted and raped by people they know yeah, more like, often than the stranger. Yeah, I think it's like 14% is somebody they don't know and 86% is somebody that they know. So it's similar to when we talk about those Amber Alerts and abduction. You know, so many parents are so afraid of that stranger abduction. And even though that, of course, is out there sometimes, it, the percentage is minuscule yeah. compared to family. Yeah. Let's focus on, yeah. on what we know. And yes. what we know is that these happen from people that we know. Right. And this is so... Again, The Hunting Ground, that is Wednesday, November 18th. It's at York Theater in Elmhurst, and you have to go online and get your tickets. Um, as usual, again, go to zenparentingradio.com, click events. You will see it there. Last thing, very briefly, of course, our beautiful conference. Um, it is Let's Get Real. Do you want to uh, talk about at least one speaker? Because we said we we're going to start doing that. Just like mention one of the speakers. Well, let's talk about our very own Dr. Shafali. Okay. Dr. Shafali Sabari, she's one of our very good friends. She's the um, author of The Conscious Parent. Um, she has been on Oprah many times, Life Class, Super Soul Sunday. She is leading the conscious parenting movement. Um, she actually has a few workshops coming up. Uh, there is a Bring It conference that's coming up. There is a uh, she's doing a conference in LA in LA. Um, what's what's it called? It's called Deconstructing Parenthood, I believe. Um, so she's out there, you know, spreading this message. And Dr. Shafali is a wonderful speaker. She is a wonderful human being. And not only is she doing a keynote, our opening keynote, she's also doing a, a breakout session. And that is only going to be for 75 people. And it's already half full. Yep. So if you want to be in Shafali's breakout session, register now. Yeah, sooner the better. Otherwise, Zen, you snooze, you lose. Uh, you snooze, you lose. com. register for the conference, register for her breakout. And again, um, go to her website, which is drshafali.com. Yeah, very good. Uh, our first partner, Kathy, oh. is a Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. Uh, when you think of chiropractic, you probably don't think of ADHD, but I just pulled this off of her website. Okay. And it talks about the relationship between the spine and the nervous system and ADHD. Instead of treating the various symptoms of hyperactivity, uh, Dr. Kelly looks for disturbances to the child's nervous system. 
She often finds problems caused by spinal distortions in the upper neck. In fact, the link between the spine, brainstem dysfunction, and ADHD is common. You got that? I didn't follow all of it, but I know that there is a deep connection. Sweetie, I mean, Kathy, take a dip into the clue bag. Listen up. Does it say that on Dr. Kelly's no, website? No, it doesn't. Okay. So Dr. Kelly, Tree of Life, uh, ChiroTree.com, 630-941-8733. All right. And I'm going to read that review. Let's hear it. It's, by, um, it's called Slowly Becoming a Better Me. It's actually a lovely review. I religiously listen yeah. to your podcast. I think I'm slowly becoming a better me, mother, wife, and friend through self, through better self-awareness, acting with more kindness and trying to be more empathetic. However, I do concur with another review about how annoying it is to listen to Todd call Kathy Sweetie, but I respect that they are sticking with it nice. and being true to themselves. Thank you. Well, I'm not really sticking with it since I've been calling you Kathy. Well, here's the thing, Todd. The bottom line is, is what we practice and what we preach is being authentic. And if we, if you start calling me something different or you start speaking differently because you don't want to annoy people, then you aren't being yourself. So I'm not saying overdo it. And I'm not saying call me sweetie all the time and be and be annoying on purpose. But if someone was at our house, 10 minutes after we tape the show, we do the exact same thing. So I really don't want to change too much because then we're, then we're you know in this our is, head. This is me being a smart aleck. Okay. I'm a smart aleck. For those of you who don't know me that well, <laughs> I'm... I feel like using another word, but I won't. I'm a smart aleck, so this is me just being... You are kind of. Um, One last thing before we jump in. Yeah. We've been getting an influx of iTunes reviews, and I want to say thank you to everybody for giving us an influx of iTunes reviews. And so we don't have time to read them, but I'm going to at least read who said them. Okay. Is that fair enough? Zensational ZPR by E-A-O Mom. Can you give like a sentence? Like don't read the whole thing. I can't get enough of Zen Parenting. Nice. Thank you. Next one, Grace by In Steamboat. I am so grateful for Todd and Kathy's wisdom. Thank you. Uh, Next one, ZPR is my next tattoo by Juan Cafe. (laughs) Just yoking, he says, Juan. (laughs) Thanks, Todd and Kathy, by NW2382. I enjoy listening to your podcast. Your, your humanity is beautiful and it shines. Oh. Fantastic podcast by A-T-E-R-B-R, Atterber. I look forward to every episode. Three more to go. Evidence-based mindfulness parenting that makes sense by 8-Bit Bliss. Pure Sunshine by clearneon.com. And lastly, it's our one-year anniversary by Biolix. And... Thank you. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you amazing. so much for all those. And I've been meaning to get to these for a few weeks, and I just wanted to at least extend the appreciation for doing that. Because so. we know it takes time and energy. So I want to talk about sports. All right. All right? We had a great weekend. Correct. We have three daughters. Yes. Ages 12, 10, and 8. Correct. And we they are involved in some extracurricular activities. Yes. But right now in this moment, they don't have anything on the weekends. On the weekends, yes. Right. They do stuff after school. They do stuff before school, but they don't do stuff on the weekends. And I'm simply trying to sit inside the the beautifulness of that because I heard two of my daughter's friends say this weekend, um, the one is we have a soccer tournament on Saturday. We have a soccer game after school on Friday. We have a party with the soccer team on Saturday night and we have more soccer on Sunday. Wow, and lot. it's not even local. It could be like a half hour away. Mm. And then there was another girl who had softball. I don't know if it was Friday, but it was all day Saturday, all day Sunday. And my and the parents out there that are um, being great parents and supporting their children, it's uh, it's all done with love and with the best of intention and supporting your daughter or your son and being a good baseball player or a good soccer player. But there's got to be some balance there because literally most parents I know don't have much, if any, time to themselves on the weekend. I'll throw on top of that, the kids don't have any time for themselves on the weekend. Now, if the kid just loves playing and loves waking up Saturday morning at eight o'clock and playing softball all day, Saturday and all day Sunday, then there's nothing I can say to that. They love it and they're doing things they love. That's wonderful. But if there is a hint of, man, I wish I didn't have to do this so much, then I think it's gut check time. Is there a way to 
pull back a little bit. And a lot of it is systematized in that the coach says, hey, you're off the team if you miss a practice. So I'm, I'm not talking about any parents. I'm not talking about any kids. I'm talking about the system that is set up and how parents have to Adhere to that system. And they feel obligated that they have to be at every single one of their kids' things because they love their kids more than anything else. But maybe you don't go to every single one and you take time for yourself. Or maybe you're dragging the other siblings around just because the one kid does hockey and the other kid doesn't do anything. So they get their stuff. Or maybe you choose the local teams rather than the travel teams. I know because I hear it from my friends and elsewhere that the travel teams carry more prestige or Mm. they typically do. This may not be true everywhere. No, they do. Um, but then we, there's a question there. Is that, is that necessary? Maybe it is. Maybe their kids are playing at such a high level that that's really the only place they can engage and be competitive. Like I, here's the bottom line, Todd, I don't know. I don't have any answers for you. You guys need to figure this out within your own family. And you may say, there's nothing to figure out. I know how to do it. Um, but I think he brings this up because this weekend, we had one of those weekends where like Friday, we went and stayed the night at our friends in Chicago and the girls came with us and they were with their friends in Chicago. And then Saturday, we had some other friends come over and we got to go to a party and we just were like social and fun all weekend. And the reason, I'm glad you brought that up because I think the reason we have um, resources um, available to us on a Tuesday when the kid's driving you nuts is because we have our downtime our downtime, mm-hmm. and we have the ability to recharge our battery through doing fun things and not just chasing after my daughter's softball team. Right. Well, you know, there was an article in Money Magazine last month, and I noticed that John O'Sullivan posted it. Did you send it to him? I did not. He's one of our other speakers, and he's a youth sports expert, so he'll be at our conference. And he talks about these things at length and about how we have to give youth sports back to our kids and how a lot of things that we've done um, around the systematizing has really been for adults. Like we've created, you know, adults have asked for more or adults have said, you know, I want my kid to be at this level, or we've created a system that really maybe works for professional athletes, but doesn't really make sense for children. Um, But I bring all that up because there was an article in Money Magazine about this family who they had four boys who all played soccer and how the family was like, I don't know if they were going bankrupt or they were just finding they had no money left. They literally had no time and they were like never together because the mom would be driving one kid to his sport and dad would be driving one kid to their sport and they would hope that the other two didn't have games that were overlapping. And all of us have felt this in small ways. Like Todd, you and I have even felt this before. Sure, of course. When Cameron, or excuse me, when Skylar and JC were playing soccer, you know, if the games overlapped or, you know, we, it's not that we've never been a part of this. It's that we when it's gotten too nutty, we have consciously thought about it. Mm-hmm. You know, like what's in the best interest of everybody here. Right. And um, right now, the girls are doing lots of different things, and they're younger, um, and so there's not that honing in on one sport or one event. Um, well, and I've I've said uh, our oldest daughter does cross country. Yeah, and we're just we happen to be lucky in the fact yeah. that the sport she chose is cross country because I've said this on the show before, but I have another friend whose daughter does swimming. And all I know about swim meets is you're there all day. Yeah, you Whereas are. cross country, you're in and out of there in less than an hour. Right. And the play, and, and the meet is usually 15 minutes away at tops. Right. And conference is the same as the meet. Yeah. Like it's not, it's, and again, I know as they get older, it may go at a higher level, but so far so good. And And I will say that if my kids, you know, ended up, being really into tennis or soccer or whatever you chase them, I, I would, I would be in the exact same position as these parents are. Do you think? I don't know. I it would be really tough. And we, when you and I talked about this last night, when we were kids, we would ride our bikes to practice. Yes. And that doesn't happen well, anymore. I was I was thinking about because I used to play softball and I was thinking about how I knew when practice was. I would jump on my bike and go say goodbye to my parents. Yeah, the, the parents wouldn't say, "Hey, it's time for no. you to." Nobody would drive me there, and I would afterwards hang out with my friends. Sometimes I'd go to my games, and sometimes my parents were there, and sometimes they weren't. Like, it was like my thing. Yeah. And then I got once I got into high school, I started doing different things. But I didn't have – and again, that just doesn't exist, I guess. Well, and you got to – I think what I'm saying is we have to give the – now, if if the, the game is 45 minutes away, of course you need to be involved. Of course. But if they're in local stuff – 
have them ride their bike and don't even remind them that they have practice and let them forget and then deal with the ramifications of it. Well, and that's where it goes back to Todd, the systematizing, because the ramifications may be you can't play anymore. And so there is this sense of there's a lot of anxiety and stress around it. And there's also this whole thing of there's playing the sport and then you also spend, it's kind of like school. Not only do you play the sport, but you do things outside of the sport to make sure you're better at the sport you're in. Yeah. You know, it's like um, like our our nephew Max, he plays football. And even though there's no forcefulness around this, it's recommended that they're in lacrosse or do or lift weights or do something else off season oh, yeah. to maintain, you know, where they are, they're at athletically. Well, and John O'Sullivan, that's why we are bringing him to our conference because we had him here at our table. We actually interviewed him at zenparentingradio.com slash O'Sullivan. He has a TED Talk. If you subscribe or even if you disagree with a lot of these ideas that Kathy and I are saying right now, uh, listen to what he has to say. Um, Come to the conference, listen to his TED Talk, whatever it is. Uh, because the exchange of ideas is really what we're looking for in question. Right. It's not about having an answer like you shouldn't have your kids in sports. Todd and I don't believe that. It's, wow, how, how have we gotten here? Because we how keep taking we it here? up so many notches that how can we play a role in maybe getting it down to a level where our children can enjoy the sport, it doesn't feel so intense and pressure-filled, and they can make different choices? Because that's one of John's comments is the best athletes – usually play a lot of different sports. What he says is the ones that end up being the best, and by best means make it into the NBA, make it into Major League Baseball, become professional tennis players, are the freaks of nature. (laughs) They are genetically uh, predisposed to be able to do this. And he says a lot of them... Can, they could have chosen any sport they wanted. It's not as a is not as a result of grit and waking up at five a.m. every day for the first fifteen years of their life. They would have been successful in soccer, or they would have been successful in ba- whatever they chose to do because they had some God given talents that most of us other people don't have. And what a lot of us parents try to do is force our kid into this level that they otherwise aren't going to get to anyways. John Smoltz who just uh, was inducted in the Baseball Hall of Fame, said that when he was little, he played baseball for about two and a half months out of the year. And that was and it. And then he played football. Yeah. And then he played ba- basketball. And, you know, would he have been a better pitcher if he would have played 12 months out of the year? No. As a matter of fact, he probably would have been worse. He would have lost his elbow. He would have burnt out. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Well, and these are things we need to think about because some of the things that we hold dear about, um, you know, achievement and success and goal setting and moving forward and being better than others and competing, we hold these as a value system and then we try and utilize it in every aspect of our lives. And we forget that there are places, there are times and places that we need to not be moving forward and relax yeah. and chill and that we need to, we're not very well balanced. Right. Um, we need to get back to that place of um, the joy of the sport and what does the sport do for you rather than the sport doing things to you, you know? Well, and a lot of these parents um, will do whatever they have to do to make sure that that kid is eligible to get a scholarship when they go into college. Sure. And I remember a soccer coach told me one time, he's like, it's so interesting that these parents will just bend over backwards and, and spend all this money on private coaches and different leagues and all that. And the amount of money that they put into getting this scholarship is not nearly usually the amount that they would get back in the scholarship. Correct. So in other words, they'll spend 20 grand for the kid's life to get a $4,000 scholarship. Correct. So and John just, O'Sullivan talks about that too, you know, just the the reality of scholarships and a professional sports and and it it's not a it's not a bummer. It's not like it's a it's a buzzkill. It's that we can be more thoughtful while our children are children about them enjoying their lives. Like there's something, you know, Todd and I went to see um, the guy who wrote The Pressured Child. What was what was his name? Tom Michael Thompson. Michael Thompson. He was really good. He was here in uh, Elmhurst and we had the opportunity to go see him. And he talked about this as so many speakers do nowadays, including us, you know, the pressure we put on children and how we don't, we can't see out of our own anxiety and how there is no reason our children shouldn't be able to enjoy their lives. We we start them at three at three years old and we say we need to get them into this school and this preschool so they can go here where the you know the SAT scores are highest and where most kids get into certain colleges and 
he he he's saying we start when they're so young at getting them to a certain place in life instead of just allowing them to be young and figure out their place in life. Hey, that was a good do you see how that worked out, Todd? That language? Sort of. Kind of dug that. I don't think I could say that again. Um, but we we create a dream in our head and we try and implement it. And unfortunately, or fortunately, these people are human beings. Well, and they're they're not something that we can, you know, set up and say, you will go this path. When our daughter, our oldest daughter was young, I remember busting out the flashcards when she was three years old. <laughs> now... I learned from that experience because I really had to look inward and say, why is it that I have these flashcards? And my, you know, the, the other reminder that I've said once already today, but I need to keep on saying it, is all of this is done with the best of intentions right. in most all cases. We love our kids. We want them. We want to put them in a position to succeed. Now, success is a whole nother word that we have to kind of redefine, but the reason I got the flashcards out was because I wanted my daughter to be prepared for kindergarten. School is easier when you are not seeing it for the first time. So she'd be more familiar with it. When I was kind of just dismissing the fact that maybe her brain wasn't ready to start learning her letters right. or her sounds. Since that first kid, I've not done any of that. Right. You know, it's the silliness. Of, but that is the beginning of the cycle. Right. And they're like, well, I need her to be prepared for kindergarten. So then after kindergarten and she's going into first grade, well, all of a sudden I'm going to do some private tutoring with her over the summer when her brain should not be thinking about school for right. two and a half months. But instead I'm going to put all this pressure on her. And it starts out small, but as our kids get older, the the, the ball, the snow the snowball starts rolling down the hill and picks up momentum and gets bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden we realize that we're doing our kids' science science fair experiment when they're sophomores in high school. Right. And you're like, how did I get here? Right. And you also realize your kids are burnt out and they don't know if they can think of for themselves. And they're really just trying to play the game, not in the way you and I talk about playing the game, but they're just trying to get through. And there's they're not enjoying. And then we set them up and say, well, you can enjoy life when you're out of college. Is that true? Yeah, right. <laughs> because, you know, I'm not saying I don't enjoy life. I'm saying, but that's when they have to start working and paying their own bills. Like This might be a little bit out of left field, but would you talk a little bit about what Dr. Thompson talked about regarding grit and the best way to give your kids oh, yeah. what that grit is? Well, as you guys know, anybody who listens to the show, Todd and I talk about grit occasionally, not because we don't believe in its importance, but because I think sometimes there's way too much focus put on grit and not and not the balance of that sometimes kids need to know when to back off too. It's one thing to persevere and to move forward, but if your body is telling you something isn't right for you, that's something you need to listen to as well. So it's a balance. And he said, um, he said, parent, because grit has become the new word in education, he said, parents always ask me, how do I help my kids develop grit? And he said, one one perfect situation for them is summer camp. Send your kids to summer camp because in, in a summer camp situation, they are set up having fun and persevering without certainty. They have no idea what's coming next. They are, he gave a great visual of, you know, children at summer camp, and we can say this because our kids go to camp and we see them when we pick them up. They're covered in mosquito bites. They're filthy. They're dirty. They're being put in situations they've never been put in before. Canoes are tipping over. They're like at our girls' summer camp, they do this things called high ropes and they have a zip line and it's all very nerve wracking. So much so I haven't gone down the zip line yet. Not yet, sweetie. Not yet. We go, we go with them sometimes and it's I'm scared of it. But um, they are doing things that are really out of the box. And part of it is because there's joy and fun in it. Part of it is because their peers are supporting them in doing it. Part of it is because they do, you know, feel that um, sense of growth and empowerment. And it's a natural grit. And the best part is? It's fun. No cell phones allowed. Oh, yeah. No technology. Yeah. And for my 12-year-old, who actually is really responsible, 12-year-old uh, regarding phone. her phone, mm -hmm. but the fact that she has to take a seven-day break from the phone, uh, that's worth the price of admission right there. <laughs> right there. I know. So I liked that example because, again, grit is a great thing, but how can we do it? How can we think about grit in a more natural environment rather than creating all these scenarios? It's like the, these synthetic ways mm -hmm. to discover grit. Why not make it fun. That's know? right. Can I talk about our second partner? Please. Um, John J. Kelly. He's our dentist, but not your father's dentist. No. 
And he, um, one of the many things that he works on is sleeping disorders, which seems weird for a dentist. But um, in contrast to adults, most pediatric patients are not obese. Boys and girls are equally affected. And some children present with daytime attentional or behavioral problems rather than overt sleepiness. Dr. Kelly is uniquely qualified to help determine if your child may have a sleep breathing disorder. Currently, he's a consultant with Lurie's Children's Hospital Pediatric Sleep Center. He's also had an advanced education in case studies about children that have sleep breathing related disorders. His recognition of these sleep and airway dysfunctions allows the children to be treated with a network of doctors. <laughs> you are, it's your, it, yes. Sweetie. I know, but I know we need to do this because I love Dr. Kelly, but it you're, it gets boring. To you. To Maybe you. there's a woman out there okay. whose kid is has some serious sleeping issues. Okay. What the, what you guys aren't seeing is I'm telling Todd to hurry it up. Wrap John J. It Kelly, ChicagoDentistOnline.com, 773-631-6844. All right. All right. We love Dr. Kelly. Yeah, we do. Our Dr. Kellys. So can we talk about relationships? Please. Okay. So this, I think, kind of goes naturally, uh, connects naturally to the whole sporting thing. Um, just in that... I said to Todd last night, my real, my big realization about life, which I think I've realized this a million ways over time, but everything in life to me is about relationships and relationship to ourselves, relationship to people we um, in our family, relationship to the way we view the world, our relationship with the world, our relationship with nature, um, and that our relationship to a new experience, you know, um, but that honestly... Most decisions can be made and most problems can be solved with that awareness. You know what I mean? I do. Like, it's so easy for me to make a decision easier when I understand how something will affect my relationship. I may, let's have fun with this, let's make this about you and I. It may be easier, simpler and uh, quicker and maybe even more fun in the moment to be passive aggressive to you, right? It's like a quick solution, like you're annoying me, so I'm going to be passive aggressive to you. Totally, you know, something that I think people do all the time. And maybe deserved. Maybe I was doing certain things to get you in this place. Yeah, maybe we're, I'm frustrated with you because you did something and I'm thinking the way I'm going to get you back is passive, passive aggressivity. Is that a word? Yes, it is. Is it? I no, don't it's know. not. I have no idea. Passive aggressiveness. Yeah. But all that does is damage our relationship. So while I may think it's a quick fix or I get like a thrill out of making you feel like crap or whatever, it's just like damage. You're literally just damaging. And another example is last night, this is how this conversation came up. My girls were um, going to sleep, my two oldest, and they were arguing about books. And it, it's too long of a story to explain. And it's really their story. So I don't need to... They didn't want to be sharing their books. Yeah. They didn't want to be sharing their books with each other. And there was this big, you know, they were having this big discussion about why, and they all had these points. And I could hear them upstairs. They were kind of doing an okay job by themselves, but Skylar was asleep. So I went upstairs to say, you guys got to keep it down. And I sat there for a little bit and I said, just tell me what's going on. So they kind of both told me their side and it never has anything to do with books. It's about relationships. It's about you didn't hear me or I feel like I did this for you, but you didn't help me out. I feel like I see you and you don't see me. I feel like when you need something, I show up and when I need something, you don't. It's never about books. And that's a metaphor for it's not about your husband forgets to put the garage door down. It's not about that someone forgets to un, you know to take the dishes out of the dishwasher. You think it is, right. but really it's about you don't see me you don't hear me, I feel like our relationship isn't intact or isn't, I feel like I'm giving more, you're giving less or vice versa. And I say that so everybody has an understanding of if relationship is your life priority, how much easier things could be. Am I simplifying too much? No, I think you're exactly right. And I think if you were going to ask like poll 100 people that listen to this, yeah. they're all going to say, of course, relationships exactly. are, but then they're also going to say, but in that moment, I can't take the high road. 
I haven't. Okay, let me give you a good quote that I just pulled out. Um, and I, I think I got it from Brain Pickings. It may have been Br- Brene Brown. I don't remember. The Asaro tribe of Indonesia and New Guinea has a beautiful saying. Knowledge is only a rumor until it lives in the muscle. Hmm. That's just another way of saying knowledge is one thing. Practice is living. You can have all the knowledge in the world about how great it is to be compassionate and kind and empathetic, and everyone loves to talk about how it's so important to be kind, and I can't believe these people aren't kind. What are you doing? Yeah. Are you being kind? Are you working that muscle? Are you taking that knowledge and putting it into your muscle? Here's what's going to happen. What? There's going to be a dad who says, you know what? I've been kind the last two years of this marriage, and she's not given me anything yeah, back. I hear and now that. I'm spent, and I cannot be kind anymore, and now I'm going to be passive aggressive. Then what the step that's being missed in there is the vulnerable step. This is the step that I feel like majority of people just jump over. And gosh, this there, I have so many things going on in my head, but people go from I'm trying something, it didn't work the, the way I think it should have, so I'm just going to go to being mad. What happened to the vulnerable stage? What happened to the stage where we approach that spouse? What does that look like? It looks like I need to talk to you. I am so sad and struggling and tired because I feel as if I have been working really hard to be kind. And not only do I feel that you're not seeing what I'm doing, but I don't feel the same thing from you. And I'm sad and our relationship is hard and i don't want it to be that way because i love you and i'm scared about what comes next that's the vulnerable stage and i will say that that is wonderful and it would it is easier for a woman to say that than a man maybe it is uh, and, and, and i and the reason i'm saying that out loud is cuz i think the first step is awareness in anything and If the woman is vulnerable, if the wife is vulnerable, and she's seeking out that same vulnerability from her husband, just know that it does not come as easily to most of us. I understand. And it doesn't excuse our behavior. Right. But I I just need to say that out loud because we grew up living a life of you cannot be weak. Of course. And weakness is vulnerability and it's really hard for us. You can't show emotion and you can't, and emotions are weak and and everything should have a solution and everything can be solved. And I, I get it, you know, like this is what you and I do for a living and I totally get it. But what people will say is I'm miserable or things need to change or I don't know why things don't change and they don't put anything new into practice. Again, you guys may have heard us say this a million times and a million other people say this, but insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. You have got to practice something not new as like a new technique in a book you read. You've got to be real, mm-hmm. you know? Well, it, and and I'll say to the guys is a lot of husbands out there have kind of resigned themselves to the fate of this is just the way marriage looks like. Yeah. That's unfortunate. And one thing that I would say to that is, as far as I know, we get one chance at this thing called life. And if you're just going to kind of resign yourself to being semi-miserable, I mean, and that's the thing, you can love your wife and and you still, a lot of people who love their wives are not doing what you're saying to do, which is mix it up, do something different. If you want to cultivate kindness from your spouse, be kind, even though they don't deserve it in that moment. Well, and let's let's focus on that language. They don't deserve it in that moment. Everybody deserves kindness. It's not a tit for tat. It's not a right. You, it, kindness comes from, and I'm saying I know what you mean. Yeah, Todd. you know what I mean. I do, and I I'm not picking up how your words or trying to criticize you. What I'm saying is what you just said is a lot of people's mindset. Yeah, I'm only going to give if I get. Yeah, that's not kindness. Yeah, that is that's currency. Yes, that's I'm going to put something out there and I expect something back for it. Yep. Kindness is about doing something and not saying, now what am I going to get for it? Right. And But what we can trust in that process is there is a natural thing that happens where some... I was just meeting with a woman a couple of weeks ago where we were talking about this and she felt as if... Um, in her in her marriage that they had kind of reached that place where they just keep doing the same thing so much so that she knew exactly what was going to happen next every time they argued. Yeah. It had become like a pattern, yeah. an ingrained pattern. And so 
my <clears throat> my comment to her was, then you have to do something different. And and she didn't say this, but I know in, in her head, it's probably like, well, why doesn't he? Somebody needs to start. Nothing and, happens till something moves. And once that, once you do something different, all the dynamics shift. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the once you do for the first time, you mix it up and you take a different path, you break your pattern, doesn't mean everything's going to be roses no. instantly. No. It might take a long time. It might. And you might try for two years and finally your your partner does not make any changes and then you have to make some serious hard decisions. Right. But it's not going to, it's not, it's not that quick because when it's that, when you think it's that quick, you're really not doing it for the true intention of it. You're doing it to get something back. Get your need met. Get your need met. And, you know, one thing that I recently said to another friend is um, now that I'm at this age, I'm 44, so I have a lot of friends around me who have uh, gotten divorced and they just felt they couldn't communicate or be together. And so they're like, we're done. We're we're divorcing. They These couples still have children together. Mm-hmm. So they are still figuring out how to communicate for the sake of the children. And the reason why I say that to, to everybody is because a lot of times we think we can just say, I'm done. I, I'm done with this person. I'm not going to communicate with them anymore. I'm leaving this marriage, which maybe the marriage wasn't meant to be. I don't know. But you still have to know how to communicate with this, this person. This person is still going to be in your life. Forever. Yeah. If you have children. And we need... So the practice is, how can I try and do this now? And and maybe not only have an intact, you know, family, but an intact relationship that's very honest and vulnerable and real and dedicated. And maybe, and if the marriage doesn't work out, that happens, but we're still going to need to learn how to partner in raising these children. So this, you know, a lot of us just want to stay pissed. Well, and I think the the husband or the wife who's thinking about divorcing their partner, they don't even think it all the way through no. to your point. They right. think, I just can't. I got to get out of this. I got to get out of yeah. this. You're still going to have a lot of opportunities to get driven crazy because of the dynamics between you and your spouse or you and your former spouse. Right. And I think what you're saying is, you know, just because you quit on the marriage doesn't mean that you are going to not have to deal with this. Well, and just because I know you'll get flack for saying quit on the marriage. Right. A lot of, it's not, not. Poor choice of words. Right. It's not always quitting on a marriage. It's sometimes marriages dissolve. And when they dissolve, there still needs to be a plan of how to respect the needs of all the individuals of that family. You know what I mean? Right. And I don't know how we got on this topic, but, you know, I've always been so uh, in admiration of my friends who um, are divorced from their spouse and have a wonderful friendship. And I've even actually tried to get a few of them on the podcast, but I haven't been able to do that. And then I remember my buddy Casey, his parents um, were divorced when he was like, I don't know, eight years old or something like that. Maybe it was in high school. And, you know, his dad would go over and mow his mom's lawn at his house. (laughs) And she would come over and borrow, you know, because they lived pretty close by. And they truly did take the high road within something that could have ended so badly. And I grew up in a household where the divorce wasn't really that hunky-dory. Right. It, you you saw a more negative side yes. of it. Well, let's talk Most about- Most of us do. The thing that uh, was viral last week about the wedding where the dad was walking his daughter down the aisle and then he stopped and went and grabbed the stepfather- Love it. And said, you've been raising my daughter too. Yep. Jump in here. Let's do this together. Yep. And that's- that is what it's all about, people. Yep. The reason you are moved by that is because that lives in you too. Mm-hmm. But you don't... That dad could have, leading up to that moment, been like, this is my daughter. I, you know, she's my blood. Yep. This is my day. Instead, he went love. Yep. He just... He went love. And we have those choices All every single day. the time. Whether it's with a coworker, it doesn't have to be about something really deep. It's just about choosing... You know, you're going to be jealous or you're going to love somebody. You're going to be kind or you're going to be mean. And, you know, we're not, you know, there's no such thing as perfection. But all we're trying to do is bring an awareness up is, you know, maybe instead of doing your familiar old pattern, you break it and try to do something a little different. Um, I wanted to read this because you mentioned work. Um, The most transformative and resilient leaders 
um, that this is actually somebody's quote that I've worked with over the course of my career have three things in common. Okay. First, they recognize the central role that relationships play in culture and strategy, and they stay curious about their own emotions, thoughts, and behaviors. Second, they understand and stay curious about how emotions, thoughts, and behaviors are connected to the people they lead and how that factors into the relationships. And third, they have the ability and willingness to lean in to discomfort and be vulnerable. That's workplace. That's like how the best leaders interact with people. So workplace, home, friendships, we're willing to recognize that relationship is primary. It is the central thing. We are willing to notice our own emotions and question our own stories and thoughts. And then when we get to a place of discomfort, we are willing to be vulnerable enough to say, I don't know what to do next. I need help or I'm trying to do this and and I would love if we could do this together. But that's the stage we miss. Don't you think, Todd? I do. I think that because you have even said sometimes when I brought up some scary things, you have said, I'm so glad you brought it up because I don't know if I would have. Yeah. And Well, you got to be courageous. Yeah. And willing to like look like an idiot sometimes Mm -hmm. because sometimes the way I start conversation that's difficult is I beat around the bush and I cry or I kind of look miserable or I kind of feel annoying. And I'll say, I feel really annoying. I feel like I'm nagging, but I can't not bring it up. That's kind of the primary thing is because my relationship with Todd, it's more than, it's just not, it's not about just keeping a marriage together. I, I forget, take the marriage out of it. He's like my most important friend in the world. This is something I don't want to ever screw up. And that's how I feel with my kids too. I do screw up. Sure. But then I try to make amends in whatever way because these are these are the people, man. This mm. is it. Well, and I I don't need to rehash, but the whole you don't nag. I mean, you say things that are uncomfortable and some challenges we have to work through and all that. Um, I'm guessing that there's a lot of couples out there where there is true nagging, like mm-hmm. you never do this and you, and just pointing out all the things that somebody doesn't do. Right. That That's a really quick, easy way to alienate yourself from your spouse. Yeah. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, you are releasing your pain. So you're having a sense of release, but really you're releasing all of your pain onto someone without any understanding. You're just dumping a bunch of language and words and fear and anger on the one you love most versus take, if you can like turn that inside out and say, all these feelings I'm having are real, but this is why I'm scared. The way you're acting is the way my dad used to act. The thing you just said is something that really triggers me. The That's truth hmm. versus you suck, you never pay attention to me. You, that's all, sh- that's all mask. Yep. That's well, all. Yeah, that's the opposite of being vulnerable, right? It's the opposite of being vulnerable. So relationships, um, you know, that's to me the essence of every aspect of life. It, it you know, is how we relate to the world and understand that this, we're all connected. You guys all know that by now. We're all connected to each other. So just because the things that are happening right in front of you may not seem chaotic, if there's chaos elsewhere, it still affects us. And we, the way that we shift that, maybe we can't fly to another country right now and help refugees, but we can be kind to the people in our home and to the people around us because that sends a ripple effect into the world that is desperately needed. Yeah. Very good, sweetie. Um, last thing is this is an interesting little thing I got on Upworthy today. It's kind of besides the point. Are you okay with me moving on? Oh, yeah, I'm done. Okay, All good. done. Um, this was from Upworthy, which is a website that I get emailed every day. And this is a waitress's perfect response to the kid who asked if she was a boy or a girl. Oh, interesting. All right. Uh, and she, this waitress put this on her Facebook page. Um, this afternoon, I was at my waitressing job on a beautiful early fall afternoon. Two parents and their young daughter came in, the tall, burly dad adorably scratching his back on the door as they walked in. As I was filling the water station, he came up to me and said, my daughter just asked if you were a boy or a girl. I didn't want to speak for you, so would you like to talk to her? I nervously said yes and walked to their table. She said, hi, I liked your hair ribbon, I said. I heard you asked if I was a boy or a girl. 
I think the important thing is to remember is that everyone can be anything they want to be in this world. And it's also important to try to be the best selves we can be for our family and friends, and even to strangers. So to answer your question, I was told that I was a boy when I was little, and now I live my adult life as a girl. It sounds complicated, but it's actually pretty simple. Do you have any questions for me? She looked at me smiling and simply said, nope. I walked away from the table feeling really good about parents intentionally engaging their children about possibly difficult topics and showing that giving people the power to voice their truths in this complicated world is beautiful and healing. Way to go moms and dads out there making space for trans folks, GNC people like me. What's GNC people? trans folks slash GNC people. I don't know. But I suppose I should have said at the beginning, this woman is a transgender uh, person. So Mm -hmm. I didn't say that at the beginning, but that's the deal. Well, and that's lovely. And you know what I love about that story the most is the fact that that dad asked her lets you know that he's already comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. Because what we do when we're uncomfortable as parents is we avoid those topics because we're unsure of how we feel about it. Um, You know, it's like any kind of sex talk or anything with someone who looks different or someone with special needs. If we don't have our own set of understanding, if we haven't come full circle with what we believe, it's very difficult to talk to our children about it. And what he did is he's like, oh, let's just, you know, you have a question about this person, let's involve this person because he already is comfortable. And, And if you don't feel comfortable yet, that's nothing to be, I'm not judging you, I'm saying that's your practice as a parent is you need to get comfortable with things first yep. and then you can share with your kids because avoiding those topics doesn't help you or your children. True that. So it's, again, self-awareness. The best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. If you understand how you feel and what you believe, it's much easier to pass on. Or as I like to say, role model the behavior or the you know type of person that you want to bring into this world, be the role model. That's right. Our last partner, Kathy, is avidco.net, uh, painting and remodeling in the Chicagoland area. Uh, Jeremy, he's the bald-headed beauty. He's the owner. Uh, he does kitchen remodel- remodeling, basement finishing, bathroom remodeling, etc. So give him a call, 630-956-1800, www.avidco.net. Anything else? I don't think so, baby. Um, so that's our show. Keep trucking. We've got a little promotional thing at the end, so listen in if you want to. And have a great week. Adios. That's our show, friends. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt outstanding. And if you want to continue feeling this outstanding, go to zenparentingradio.com and subscribe to the podcast. You can also subscribe via iTunes. And while you're there, feel free to give us a kind review. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. To reach us, you can send us a message at comments at zenparentingradio.com or you can record a voice message through our website and ask any question you want. Go to Amazon or our website to find Kathy's first two books and her most recent award-winning book, Living What You Want Your Kids to Learn, The Power of Self-Aware Parenting. You can also subscribe to her Practicing Realness blog for her most up-to-date writing. If you're interested in the tribe, the men's group that I co-facilitate, go to thetribemensgroup.com. We're grateful for your support and encouragement. We only ask that you give the same to yourself and the people you love most. Until next time.